Hey, thanks for joining me for Two Kingdom Tuesday. Let's get stuck in. Right, so it's the old Escondido controversy that we're still working on. Chapter 5, Meredith Klein versus John Frame. I'm tempted to do in the red corner, da, 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 in the blue corner, but I won't do it. I won't put you through that. Let's just get academic. Let's just get stuck in. Um, I want to, I've set a lot of the background uh, info now, I'm sort of taking this one week at a time. A little bit frustrating to do that, I must admit. Um, so I'm just keen to slam this thing, to be honest. Um, but, you know, we've got to kind of pause and wait for the next Tuesday and keep that tension up. So if you have no idea what I'm talking about, do go back and check out those previous episodes. Um, we're just working through uh, John Frame's controversial book uh, about Two Kingdom theology. Hence, although it's about Meredith Klein, you know, mostly as we go back and forth on his exegesis, really the ultimate thing here has to do with providing its uh, Klein's exegesis as the, the foundation for two kingdom theology. So Frame knows, and he's wise enough to know that if he goes for Klein, he goes for the foundation uh, for at least a lot of what today is being put out as two kingdom theology. It's not so much, a, you know, it's it's not necessarily an attack on Lutheran. You know, or that historical two kingdom thing, but more like what Van Drunen is doing, you know, basing it entirely out of Klein's um, exegesis, so with Horton, etc. Um, all right, so with that in mind, uh, let me jump in with this. I ended off saying that um, just after my little spiel on the, on the Sabbath, um, and we kind of summarized Klein, uh, Frame's big thing was, number one, he, he reckons that this whole thing can't be proved from Scripture that the Sabbath belongs to the covenant community exclusively. And secondly, that there's no sharp distinction between cult and culture. And then thirdly, no sharp distinction between holy and common. Now, we're not going to get through all of that uh, now, but let's. Uh, my hope is to get through that first one, uh, at least. And so we're looking at the covenant community really, and thinking about it in terms of the whole human race, like you can see how if you get that sorted, you know, the rest will fall into play. Um, and the Sabbath, as I said, is kind of the capstone idea here. And we'll see as we move through why that is. Um, Frame says, certainly the Sabbath has significant functions within the covenant God makes with human beings. It is, as Klein emphasizes, a sign. All right. And you see that explicitly stated uh, by the time you get to the Mosaic Covenant, certainly in, Ex- in Exodus uh, chapter 31. But uh, Frame says, these special functions do not limit the Sabbath obligation to those particular covenants or to the people of God within those covenants. So his whole big thing is that, yes, fine, we're getting our information about the Sabbath from those covenants for the, the covenant community, but uh, that doesn't necessarily mean we're just limiting our understanding of the Sabbath to that, uh, to, to the way it's applying to that covenant community. Now, you know, I'll, I'll say up front, a lot of what Frame says I actually agree with, and um, I've already mentioned Klein's, you know, taking his Sabbath views all the way through to his most mature point, which is, I think, perhaps a little bit too far on some areas. Um, and so you'll see me kind of ebb and flow with this, but I'll comment as we go. Uh, Frame says, for one thing, The covenant of creation covers all human beings. We are all, of course, covenant breakers in terms of that covenant. Now, that's a that I think is a necessary point. Um, Certainly, in the earlier years, Klein would have no problem with it, but it does become 
you know, uh, I think Klein would agree with that in a general sense, um, in that we're all obviously under Adam and therefore covenant breakers. But um, I think Klein over the years wanted to remove the actual Sabbath from that basic sort of covenantal understanding uh, that was given to to um, to Adam in the covenant of works itself and the moral law. And this is all connected to, to Klein's uh, reluctance to to use uh, to speak of the moral law in in its classic sort of threefold division. Uh, in other words, um, rather than thinking of you know as we normally do the the ceremonial, the civil, the moral law um, getting broken up and and um, the moral law kind of continuing over and that moral that moral law, the Ten Commandments is what's written on Adam's heart and what's written what's renewed in the new covenant. Um, uh, with the regenerate member of the new covenant, all, all fairly standard um, reformed theology at that point. Klein was all, he just very, uh, didn't want to break up the covenants that way. You know, he was aware that the Mosaic covenant was one unit and you couldn't just divide it arbitrarily like that. You, you, needed, to, you needed to go from one covenant enshrinement, as he put it, to another covenant enshrinement. And so he ended up in a functionally similar place in that you would basically have the moral law in its abstract form that was, you know, given in these various covenantal enshrinements. But um, I suppose what that did was it allowed him a little bit more wiggle room with regard to exactly what was written on the heart. So did it have to be Ten Commandments or did it, you know, or, or was it just really a sense of right and wrong? Or, you know, the bottom line is you didn't necessarily have to have the Ten um, commandments as reflected exactly in the Mosaic covenant written on the heart of, of Adam and uh, those fallen in Adam. So it might well have precluded the, the covenant sign or at least uh, the covenant commandment uh, altogether. And so it seems to me that that's where Klein wanted to go and sort of went toward the end. And that's what frames uh, onto you. Um, it's where also I, I feel a little bit of hesitance to go all the way with Klein there, because I do think it's very, very clear um, that, and, and you know, it's the ironic thing there is that Klein himself makes this um, makes this case most powerfully when he talks about the uh, Mosaic Covenant being the the the, the echo, the republication of, of the Mosaic of the Covenant uh, in the Garden. And so, I just think that would certainly, despite what Klein says about covenantal enshrinement, I mean, that would certainly include the the fourth commandment at some level. Uh, but let me try and sort of forge my way in some sort of via media here in that um, while I think it, it's okay to, I think, you know, I agree with Klein and Frame basically um, with with a fourth commandment. Like I don't, I think what Klein is saying is true in that you are not, let's say you could just get this magic look at what's written on everyone's heart. Um, as Klein is saying, I don't think it is true that you would see them understanding that they need to worship on a certain day of the week, um, you know, in a certain way. It's all special revelation. And that's basically what Klein's saying. Uh, this has to be limited to the, the covenant people uh, when it comes down to the particulars and the Sabbath and its promise. Um, and of course, he has that idea of the promise in view. The Sabbath is a sign because it says, listen, you're going to get what the Sabbath stands for as a result of being God's people. And uh, obviously, we can't say that that is uh, that is true for everyone. And so he wants to protect that as well. Um, but 
you know, moving along with frame, I think it's also possible to be able to say, um, while you don't see the specifics of a covenant, um, you know, specification with regard to that fourth commandment written on everyone's heart or in Adam's heart, um, it's still true that it was part of the, the creation covenant in some ways. And so that creation ordinance stands. And while it might not have been um, hey, this is exactly the day that you worship and this is exactly how you worship. I certainly, I think it's fair enough to say and fair enough uh, just thinking about Kelvin's own argument with the sense of the divine and you just look around and why are there so many religions in the world? Well, because everyone understands they've got to worship God. They've got to worship uh, in some way, in a particular way. And uh, it always ends up being in a particular place, in a particular day, in a particular way. And and so that is you know, it's implicitly there. It's 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 something that all men understand the need to do. Um, if God is God, surely He must be worshipped, and time must be set apart to do that. And it must be a specific way, uh, a way that God Himself would require of us. Um, and so, you know, obviously the problem with religion is that they just go ahead and make that stuff up, and then think they're fulfilling it. Um, but even as they do that, they attest to the reality of the fourth commandment written on their heart. Now, again, I agree with Klein in that, you know, it wasn't necessarily the fourth commandment as inscribed, but that would be a perfect representation of, of this abstract idea written on, on everyone's heart. And so you don't have to say that the fourth commandment is the thing that people understand they need to do um, in order to be able to affirm that the fourth commandment is um, it, it, in its essence in, in, on the heart. So I actually, you know, moving through client stuff, I think he's totally good with saying all of that, but he just wants to protect that 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 edgy part and make sure we don't get ourselves in exegetical trouble by, uh, you know, trying to persuade ourselves that everyone knows exactly how to worship and that, you know, you, you've got to get everyone worshiping on a certain day of the week. Um uh, as unbelievers or, or expect them to understand that if they're not believers, let's put it that way. Um, but anyway, so bottom line is, you know, you've got these two little things going back and forth w- when you think about frame and Klein here. And he says, um, uh, the creation, uh, c- at least the covenant of creation covers all human beings. So amen, totally on the same page there. We are of course covenant breakers in terms of that covenant. I would agree. Now probably Frame is thinking about it more in terms of that threefold division of the law. Uh, he's thinking about it in terms of that classic sort of reformed theology angle. Um, and so I agree functionally, but don't agree. Hopefully you track with me on that. Uh, but it's obligations, he says, of perfect righteousness continue to bind us. Agreed because of our uh, disobedience, both in Adam as our federal head and in our own righteousness, we bear the, bear the curse of that covenant and can be set free from that curse only by the work of Christ. Amen. Um, that's 100% true. But Klein believes that, and and so we're not really making any argument uh, one way or another there. Uh, he says, but the obligation of perfect righteousness includes all the creation ordinances. Interesting that he doesn't talk about it in terms of the covenant of works, um, and that and he wouldn't, right? Because he's weak on that. Um, Klein would and does. Um, and I think there's a better job of it, actually. But he says it includes labor, marriage, childbearing, all this, the, all that sort of stuff. Um, and uh, the Sabbath is part of that. So again, functionally ends up in the same place and that you've got at the creation all of these things that God set in place as commandments, as ordinances, and that 
is to be, you know, abiding in, in terms of what God requires. He says, perhaps the Sabbath and a particularly cultic sign function within the covenant of creation. Uh, sorry, let me start again there. Perhaps uh, the Sabbath had a particularly cultic sign function within the covenant of creation. Now, yes, it did. And that's what I totally think uh, is true, and that's what Klein's arguing, um, and Frame says, but the early chapters of Genesis do not say so. So that whole thing swings on the republication debate, which we will get to. But um, just so you know, the reason Kleinians are so absolutely sure that we can understand so much about this early point in Genesis is because later on it is uh, very, very clear that that the Mosaic Covenant reveals uh, what is happening in Genesis at that early point. And so we can make good and necessary inference in that regard. Uh, Klein, he says, deduces this function from other covenants, particularly the Mosaic. Uh, exactly, boom, on the money. All we know of the original Sabbath institution is that the Sabbath is mandatory rest after six days work. Okay, whatever. Uh, now, he says, no reason, there is no reason to say that the Sabbath observance is limited either in the pre-fall covenant or in uh, later covenants to the covenant community exclusively. At the very least, it should be said that those outside the covenant have an obligation to get inside them. Uh, but even those who remain outside the covenants have an obligation as human beings to keep the Sabbath as a creation ordinance. Now, you know, I, it's like no one, no one disagrees. That's the at some level, it's totally true. When you say that, um, if you're you know, it sort of paints Klein with this brush that he's he's saying, hey, it's totally legitimate to be an unbeliever. And, you know, hey, that's a legitimate option for your life. And you can like not worship God. And that's totally cool. And, you know, as if Klein is saying any of that. Um, obviously, those that aren't in the covenant need to get in. That's what evangelism is. That's what mission is. That's what the hope of eternal life is. Uh, no one's denying that. Right. Um, but in terms of, uh, you know, what, what we are saying here, um, and, and right, sorry, just before I go there, I mean, you know, one more thing would be that I don't think Klein's even denying that all men must worship, you know, are commanded to worship um, as this great abstract moral law was enshrined in the garden. Uh, at some level, there is a, crea- a Sabbath ordinance. It's just not the Sabbath specification. Um, you know, you can, uh, obviously, men are called to worship God in the way that he requires. It's, it's a no-brainer. But um, when it comes to the Sabbath as a sign and worship on this day in this way, uh, Klein's saying, no, no, that's got to be for a covenant community because that's, that's a promise. That's saying, as a result of this covenant, uh, rest will be achieved. Um, and, and this will have significant bearing on the way it works out in the new covenant. So, you know, like it's a really kind of interesting chapter in that, you know, you agree with both of them. Um, but it, I feel like Frame somewhat repre- uh, misrepresents Klein here when he uh, talks this way. Um, because really at the heart of it, so far, they're in agreement anyway. Um, Frame, on the other hand, and where he hasn't made this explicit, is is trying to argue that everyone must uh, understand uh, a very the specifications of of the Sabbath ordinance in a certain way, and um, and be obliged to to that and be held accountable to that, um, even though they're not in the covenant. Um, and and you know I, it just feels like if Klein and 
And uh, Frame could just talk this out a little bit more. I think they would arrive in the same place or at least, you know, in a more understandable position. Um, anyways, but he says, it is also important, I think, to give consideration to a covenant behind the covenants. Now, this is interesting. He calls it the universal covenant. Klein alludes to this in places, and he does, but not in the way that Frame is talking about it. Um, and he says, so basically what Frame is saying is you've got this whole creation covenant going on. Um, and uh, certainly, I mean, if you've read any bit of Klein, you'll know that the whole thing from beginning to end, the very creative fiats of God are intended to place everything about creation along with Adam's federal representation at, you know, at the center point. I mean, this is, it's all covenantal. So there's no ways that, um, that Klein would, 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 um, disagree there, but, but Frame does something really weird. He, um, he talks about this creation covenant as if it's unrelated to Adam. And that, that was quite surprising to me. You know, uh, let me see if I can find it here. I'm just jumping ahead a few paragraphs so we can actually get through this. Um, he says, I've called it, uh, this is what I've called the universal covenant. So it is the covenantal relationship between God and the entire creation, the heavens and the earth. This covenant exists before Adam and Eve, Frame says. Um, in other words, it's before they're even on the scene though they enter into it as God's creatures. This covenant declares God is Lord over all the heavens and the earth. The Sabbath is part of this covenant as well, marking the completion of God's work week, uh, celebrating the finished world temple. He's even using Klein's language there. Now, you know, amen, you know, certainly that's the case. It's called the covenant of works, you know, and, um, and yet we know, and this is why, this is precisely why the Sabbath uh, must be must have a specific promise attached to it and must be held to, to uh, in some specific way, be limited to the covenant community alone. So he's like affirming the heart of it, but but the whole thing here is he's saying that there's this other kind of creation covenant even before Adam and Eve are on the scene, meaning not that this was part of this organic garden covenant, but rather because... Uh, we, we need to, whatever goes on with the covenant community, we need to be thinking of another covenant behind the covenant, I think he says. Um, and so, therefore, make sure to keep the Sabbath as part of that covenant, not only as part uh, of the covenant of works, which I think is just bizarre. I, I, I'm not sure if anyone else has ever argued for that. Um, that would be interesting to look up. I plan on doing a little more digging there, but that is just crazy. Um, so maybe he's just getting that straight out of some Kaipo or whatever. I don't know. Um, but if he is, wow, that's just insane. Yeah, I wouldn't want to do that at all. Um, so bottom line is um, to just try and keep this fairly punchy. Uh, when he closes off, he says, all human beings are members of this universal covenant as they are members of the covenant of creation and subject to the curses of the latter covenant. Uh, I see no reason to insist that the Sabbath is a feature of the covenant of creation, but not of the universal covenant. So there's what I was talking about. Um, there is nothing in Genesis 1 to 3 suggesting that the significance of the Sabbath is somehow focused on the covenant specific to our parents, our first parents. Uh, the command concerning the forbidden fruit. Uh, it is simply the completion of God's creation work week, uh, a celebration in which all creation is to join. So that is really the nub of it right there. Um, if you get at that difference, you understand why so much of the conversation from this point goes the way that it does. He's basically saying, yep, let's talk about God and covenant. And let's, you know, as we've seen already, let's try and beat down the idea of 
of uh, a works thing anyway. But granting some sort of merit, uh, what we certainly don't want to be doing, Frame says, is, you know, be including all the creation ordinance stuff in, in what's going on with Adam, which is why it's so weird and fragmented. And that's that's why he tries to retain a kingdom after the fall and just goes full on Kyperion at that point. And uh, we'll see that emerge as we move on. But but it, it's it all starts with this, you know, rather than seeing this one organic sort of here we go, God creates everything. It's all certainly part of a covenant. Adam stands at the head of that. That's why the creation groans at our fall. That's why it longs for our redemption, because, you know, all of that is tied together uh, in one uh, thing. And so the Sabbath rest idea is the promise that Adam failed to achieve. Uh, He didn't work so that he couldn't enter into rest. This is why creation groans. Um, and yet Christ will come, well, has come, and uh, has uh, brought us into a foretaste of that rest and will bring that consummated rest in the end. You know, very simple gospel timeline stuff. So, um, but you can see how if you just chop those in two at the beginning for the sake of trying to keep a Sabbath on a creation ordinance so that you can have it both in the covenant community as something unrelated to the creation ordinance, that's going to lead you into all sorts of crazy directions down the line. And indeed, I think it does. That's that, That's what leads to really uh, a neo-Kyperian uh, understanding. And, uh, we'll, you know, it's just too much to break down right now. But let me just leave it at that. And uh, if you're interested, we'll keep talking that through. Um, so one one more little element of the critique is that he's saying, well, you can't argue, as Klein does, that um, everything here is specifically related to a, um, a cultic community because the only people around at that time were Adam and Eve. So, you know, it, sure, there were, you know, you must, you must grant what Klein is saying at some level, but it's just that, you know, to argue on, you know, as if that was everything and as if, as if there was um, no option for theirs merely being a creation ordinance that was still binding apart from a special um, covenant community is is just uh, frame argues um, too simplistic or it's just um, let me see if I can find his exact language he says um, um, of course in Genesis one to three itself only the covenant community observes the Sabbath because there is nobody outside the covenant community. Uh, but in the text of Genesis 2, um, correlated with Exodus 20, Sabbath observance is not based on entrance into a particular community. It's simply the celebration of God's completion of the work of creation and the imitation of his rest from his labors. So that's very important because he's saying that really what's happening with the covenant community is it's just intensifying what everyone should be doing anyway in exactly the same way. And so there's no dualism. There's no separation. You know, there's it's just really, uh, you know, I suppose one way to put it would be that the covenant community are just exemplary humans uh, in, in that they're just doing what everyone should be doing. Um, and you could see why Klein would freak out about that. Um, he's saying, listen, you can't argue that way because that way you add a covenant promise to those who are actually under the curse. Um, really what's supposed to be happening in a, in a Kleinian sort of understanding is that from the moment of the fall, every Sabbath passes by, uh, you know, on a weekly basis, those who are outside of the covenant, not as a promise, but as a sign of judgment to them. 
that the Sabbath talks about that eschatological day of glory, the day when Christ will come again. But to them, it's not it's not something that they work or, or at least enter into rest over or worship over um, or in response to grace over. That's something that they should cower in fear over uh, and, and so be brought to saving faith. Now, it's you see the nuance there. It's not like they shouldn't worship God, but it's precisely because they don't that they're being judged uh, with these regular um, uh, ongoing weekly uh, failures to enter into the Sabbath rest. And so um, I think Klein's whole thing has a lot more prophetic punch to it. It it, it just uh, makes a lot more sense in the story. And I don't think it is then that it's just a intensification of what everyone kind of should half-heartedly be doing anyway. It's a specific prophetic thing uh, that, that, that brings all of humanity under condemnation, uh, not only uh, not only that the covenant community themselves are exemplary, but rather that the, the promise, the eschaton, is something that's just smashing into into the weekly uh, cycle and, and promising heaven and and promising hell for those who are not in the covenant. Um, so, amen. They got to get in the covenant, but that's the whole point. It's it's this gospel proclamation in the Sabbath, and uh, certainly I think that's the case. Um, as we move into the new covenant and the Lord's day idea, and we'll get to that down the line. But hopefully that just uh, gives you some uh, thoughts there and go read some um, Klein on, on this. Uh, it's it's covered a plenty in Kingdom Prologue. And then uh, next week we will look at cult and culture, which all comes straight out of this. Um, so hopefully that lays a decent groundwork. But hey, thanks for joining me. Thanks for staying with me on Two Kingdom Tuesday. And uh, we'll get slightly less heavy tomorrow we'll just kind of chill hopefully i'll have andrea on the line and uh and then we'll go from there uh bless you guys take it easy mm-hmm.